Amen. So this morning, as we prepare our hearts to hear what the Lord would have to say to us, I uh, was in prayer this week and really wanted to uh, not just throw a sermon together. I tried to intentionally um, prepare my heart to speak because the very first person that I preach to is myself. You know, before I preach to you, I always preach to myself. And so I'm not going to get up here. I've heard all kinds of sermons on Mission Sunday, and I've heard sermons on Mother's Day, Father's Day, where we beat people up because they don't give enough, they don't do enough, they're not reaching enough people, and I'm not here to do that. I am not here to beat you up. Aren't you glad about that? Somebody say amen. How many has ever heard those beat up sermons before? I mean, you, you, you get so beat up that you leave church and you're thinking, there ain't no hope for me, you know? But I want to let you know, I, Pastor Josh is not going to beat you up with a mission service unless you want me to beat you up. How many wants to be encouraged today? You want to be encouraged? Amen. And you know why? You know why this is a good day? Listen, hi. Listen, two, three years ago, you gave $2,000 in missions giving. And so now you've given over $32,000. That is not a double or a triple jump. That is like sixteen. Jumpers. I mean, people, I mean, I don't know what you call that. that. That's wonderful. That tells me that we are doing the very best that we know how to do. Amen. And I want to say this. I want to say this to you. I am extremely proud of you. I mean, I am extremely proud of your giving. I'm extremely proud of, of you participating in outreach events. We have a missions pastor that we installed at Vision Sunday at the beginning of the year. And our missions pastor developed a team, and we've asked people to come to do local ministry. And Pastor Lewis has done a wonderful job. We've went, yes, go ahead and give our missions pastor. Would you stand up, Pastor Lewis? Stand up. Give him a great big God bless you. Now listen, Pastor Lewis, we've developed adopt a block in the table. And to be quite frank, you know, we, we put our heart and soul into it. We knocked on doors. If you was with the group, we knocked on doors. We've given food out at people. Uh, when we knocked on doors, we've ministered to people. We've prayed for people. We've asked people to come to the table. And the response was not as big as what we thought it would be. So that's all right. Because we're not going to stop being missional because something didn't work the way we thought it should. And I hear an amen. So, so we've decided... Pastor Lewis and myself have decided that this Saturday, this Saturday, what time, Pastor Lewis, 12 o'clock? About 12 o'clock, those who are on the missions team and have been involved in missions, what we're going to do this time, we're not going to go out and feed anybody this time. We're not going to set up anything. Now we're going to go to the community. And I felt like the Lord really ministered to both of us and said, go to the community. We're going to do a survey door to door asking people, what is the greatest need in the city of Galena? We're going to hear from the people. Can I hear an amen? So that's what we're going to do. We're just going to ask them what is the greatest need, and when we find out what the greatest need is, then we can jump on board and fulfill that need. Amen? Do you feel like that's a good idea? Instead of us, instead of us trying to figure out what they need, instead of us trying to figure out, you know, trying to shoot in the dark, We've just decided, let's just ask the city, and let's see what the city says the greatest need is. So this Saturday, around 12 o'clock, if you want to help us, we're just going to go door-to-door -to -door and ask them, hey, 
What can Christ Point Church do? How can we make a difference in this city? What do you think the real needs are in the city of Galena? Now, we've been serious about this. We went up to the Galena Council. We've met with the council members. They liked our ideas. And so we've been actively trying to pursue ways to reach people. And so we've decided, listen, maybe our methods are not really working, and that's all right. So we're just going to back up, and let's just go ask the people what the needs are. Amen? Amen. Somebody say, praise the Lord. So we're going to still be missional. We're still going to be pressed forward because our mission here is to develop disciples who love God with all their what? Head. Heart, hands, and feet. And so the feet aspect is the missions. You're giving, and now we're going to focus on the local area. So thank you. And we have been so impressed with the outreach response that we've had from this church, even at the table and the uh, Adopt-A-Block. Haven't we, Pastor Lewis? We've had tremendous response. I mean, I know at one Adopt-A-Block, we counted like almost 50 people that just came to serve the city. So thank you so much. Nothing is ever wasted in the kingdom of God. So thank you for being missional. Thank you for trying. And so this Saturday, if you want to help us, we're going to do that. And I want to remind you that next Sunday is a big Sunday. Remember? Next Sunday is back to church. So everybody shout as loud as you can shout, back to church. Everybody shout back to church. So it's a big Sunday. Don't stay home. This is a wonderful opportunity to be missional. Invite somebody to church. Each one, invite somebody to church. How many will do your best to come to church next Sunday and do your best to invite people to church? Come on. Now, I didn't say they'll come, but you need to do your response and invite somebody to church and keep inviting. There's lots of people out there. You have lots of opportunity to invite somebody to church next Sunday. And right after church, we're going to have a snow cone uh, uh, truck outside. You can get a dessert. There will be desserts in the foyer. Uh, We're going to have a wonderful time for kids. The kids are going to perform next Sunday. It's going to be a big Sunday, so don't stay home. It's also the same day that we start our small groups. So if you want to get plugged into a small group, if you want to get to know people and get connected, then right after church in the back of the church, you can sign up for a small group. You can sign up for classes. You can get involved. So next Sunday is a big Sunday, all right? We're going to have a wonderful time. And you can get one of these uh, invite cards on the back of the, uh, in the stands in the back of the church. And they're little invite cards, black and red. And you can give it to someone and invite them to church, all right? I was going through Dairy Queen the other day. And, um, and so I just told on myself, but anyway. I went to Dairy Queen the other day, and I invited somebody to church, and, uh, and they said, well, you know, I've heard about that church down the street, and I thought about coming, so I've invited somebody to church, so I want you to help me invite somebody next week and get one of these invite cards, all right, in the back of the church. So, Father, we thank you for this day. Open our ears and our hearts to hear your word, and we will not fail to praise you and give you thanks and glory. And everyone shouted a great big... So let's all pay attention this morning. Let's not be on your phone or looking at your phone unless you're looking at the scriptures. All right. Let's give our undivided attention to the word of God, because I believe it can change your life. This morning, I want to speak on the thought, the missionary God. Everybody say that with me. The missionary God. Say it again. The missionary God. There's a scripture in the book of Jonah, chapter number three, Jonah, chapter number three, verses one through four. And I'm going to deal with 
uh, I'm going to pick out some scriptures in the book of Jonah and from the story of Jonah as we learn that God is a missionary God. Jonah chapter 3, beginning with verse number 1. Hear the words of the prophet. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and preach the message that I will tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he began to cry out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The missionary God. The missionary God. One of the greatest movies of all times, one of the greatest Christmas movies, is called It's a Wonderful Life. Have you ever watched it? It stars a man by the name of Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed. It's a story of a man by the name of, of uh, or the guy that played Jimmy Stewart was George Bailey. It's a story of George Bailey, who the story tells us when he began to contemplate taking his life, uh, something happened to him, and he began to see what his life would be if he never existed, if his life, if he was never born. Of course, at the end of the film, he had a second chance at life. I like that movie because there's something about getting a second chance in life. Walt Disney was fired from a newspaper company in 1919 because the editor told him, and I quote, you lack imagination and you really have no good ideas. Ofer Winfrey lost her first job at reporting the news because they said that she couldn't keep her emotions in check while reporting the news. Elvis Presley was told by a concert hall manager at the Grand Ole Opry that he should just return back to Memphis and learn how to drive cars and trucks because he certainly doesn't know how to play music or sing. Henry Ford went broke many times in his early business and failed. I love to read stories about people who had second chances in life. It, it does something to inspire me. It does something, it inspires my imagination. It inspires my heart. Now, why is that? Because I believe that all of us this morning can sympathize with stories of people overcoming in life or people having a second chance in life. Because if we're all truthful this morning, we all can say that we have blown it in life. All of us need grace and all of us need mercy. We all need another chance. Well, the story of Jonah this morning is really about a story about how God pursues His people. How God never stops pursuing His people. He is what I call the missionary God. He goes after them. And I love it because it's a story that tells us that no matter our faults and no matter our failures or even our rebellion, God still pursues after people. And whether you want to go after someone or whether you want to go reach somebody, that doesn't matter. Because God's heart is so big, He still pursues people even when you don't pursue them. Can I hear an amen? It's a story about redemption. It's a story about love. It's a story about how God never stops pursuing His people. God always gives us a second chance. 
And that is why, my friends, I think that's why we relate to stories like Oprah Winfrey or Henry Ford or Walt Disney or the movie It's a Wonderful Life because it brings such encouragement to each of us because if we're all truthful, we all need a second chance in life. We all need a second chance in life. And I just want to recap the story to you because maybe this morning you're not familiar with the story of Jonah, and that's all right. I want to just recap to you what is happening in this book. Now, this book is a small book. There's only four chapters to this book, but it's a great story. And I just want to take a few moments and recap the story, and then I want to bring out some points from this story to help us realize that God is a missionary God. All right, let me recap the story to you. The the Bible tells us that Jonah is a prophet from God, and God sends him or wants him to go to a city called Nineveh to preach, to preach judgment, to preach repentance. But the Bible tells us that Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh. Now, why doesn't he want to go? Because Nineveh is a very evil city. As a matter of fact, history tells us they were barbaric. They killed their own. They sacrificed their own to their own gods. It was a very barbaric, very evil, very wicked city. And Jonah certainly didn't want to go to that city and preach any repentance to them because he thought they deserved judgment. You see, Jonah didn't want to go because, number one, it's an evil city. And, number two, anybody in their right mind would conclude that they deserved judgment for their barbaric ways. And so Jonah did not go. You know what Jonah does? Jonah just rebels. He says, God, I'm not going. And Jonah gets on a boat, and he heads the opposite direction. And the Bible says that when he's on the boat, there came a great storm. And so all the sailors on the storm, they were paganistic. And so they understood that their gods controlled the environment. Their gods controlled the seas and the winds and the waves. And so they concluded that a god is mad at them, or their gods are mad. And so they, they concluded that it was Jonah because Jonah told on himself. And so they threw Jonah off board, and Jonah is swallowed by a huge fish. And the Bible tells us in chapter 2 that Jonah is in the belly of the fish, and Jonah comes to his senses, and Jonah repents and says, God, I'm sorry, I'll just do what you want me to do. So the Bible says the fish vomited Jonah up on dry ground, and the Bible says in chapter 3 that Jonah is given a second chance. Look at it. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Look at the wording here. Jonah chapter 3 and verse number 1. I love this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. So Jonah had a second chance to do what was right. Jonah had a second chance to go preach the gospel, to go preach repentance and judgment to these people. And so Jonah goes and he begins to preach. And the Bible says that these people begin to repent. I mean, it kind of amazed him, but these people begin to repent. Look at verse number 5. Jonah chapter 3, verse number 5. I mean, Jonah begins to go preach to him. And the Bible says in verse number 5 of chapter 3 that these people begin to repent. Look at the wording here. The Bible says in verse number 5, So the people of Nineveh, Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. So these people repented. And then guess what happens? Jonah gets upset. The Bible says in Jonah chapter 4, verse number 1, 
Jonah chapter 4 and verse number 1. Jonah 4, verse number 1, the Bible tells us that Jonah gets upset. It displeased him. He was exceedingly very angry. Now, why was Jonah angry? How can God forgive those barbaric, evil, wicked people? I know what they've done to my ancestors. I know what they've done to my family. I know what they've done to the people of God. How can God forgive them when I know what they've done? So Jonah is angry that God would even forgive them. Jonah was angry that God would even give them a second chance. Have you ever felt that way? He was angry at him. And then, all of a sudden, at the end of the book, Jonah is very angry, and Jonah becomes very emotional. Like, when I read this book, I'm like, thank God. Have you ever met an emotional person? Come on, y'all. I said, have you ever met an emotional person? They're up one day, and they're down the next. You know, they're just very emotional. Well, listen, the book of Jonah will be very encouraging to you because Jonah became very emotional at several times in his life. I mean, the Bible tells us that he was angry, in chapter number 3, he was very angry. Uh, chapter number 4, he was angry. And the Bible says he became angry again. The Bible even says he was so angry he wanted to die. Look at it. Jonah chapter 4, verse number 3. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. It's better for me to die than to live. I mean, this man is really angry. I mean, he's angry to the point where he's like, let's just forget about this. I don't want to live anymore. It's not worth living anymore. I mean, he just wanted to give up. And then he gets angry again because he sits down. It's really hot outside. And the Bible says God caused a plant, some sort of plant, some sort of tree to grow, and it provides shade for him. Then the Bible says in chapter 4, that plant dies. And Jonah becomes upset because the plant died. So he gets angry again. I think he had an anger problem. Would you all agree with me? Look at verse number 9, Jonah chapter 4, verse number 9. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It is right for me to be angry, even to death. So he even told God, I am angry. I just want to die. And that's how the book of Jonah ends. Amen. Sometimes I feel like, Lord, don't let my life end like the book of Jonah, you know? <laughs> it could just kind of, you're just kind of left in the dark here. So, what I want to do this morning, what does this have to do with missionaries? What does this have to do with people of the world? See all these pictures of these people of the world? What does the book of Jonah have to do with God pursuing people? What does it have to do with reaching people? What does it have to do with loving people? What does it have to do with drawing people into the kingdom of God? Well, I'm glad you're here because I want to give you four short points from the book of Jonah, from the narrative of Jonah to prove to you that we serve a God who is a missionary God who pursues after people, who loves people in spite of our faults, in spite of our failures, in spite of our disobedience belief and dis, in spite of our disobedience, he still pursues after us. Now, point number one, I don't want you to lose me. 
because this is revolutionary. You ready? Point number one, what I want you to see from the book of Jonah is that God doesn't hold grudges. I should have at least 50 people in this building say, thank God. God doesn't hold grudges. Is there anybody in the building that you're thankful that God doesn't hold grudges? God doesn't hold grudges. Now, I want you to think about Jonah here. Jonah is, Jonah kind of has a grudge against God. Or, let me rephrase that. He has a grudge against the people of Nineveh. The the city of Nineveh, the people of Nineveh is wicked. They're barbaric. They're pagans. They don't believe in God. They kill their own children. They sacrifice their own children to their gods. And Jonah is thinking, how in the world can God, you forgive these people when I know what they've done to my family, my lineage, my lineage, my heritage, my people, the people of God, they are the arch enemy of the people of God, and how can you forgive them? But God don't hold grudges. He doesn't hold grudges, folks. God's grace is not just limited to us, but it's also available to them. God's grace is not just limited to us, but it's also available to them. God, listen, this is what I want you to see in this story. God doesn't hold a grudge. Get this. You ready? This is how I know that God doesn't hold a grudge. Look at Jonah chapter 3. Verse number 1. Jonah chapter 3, verse number 1. God gave Jonah a second chance. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying. So everybody say this with me. Jonah had a second chance. So Jonah has a second chance. Now I want you to see uh, chapter 3, verse number 10. Chapter 3, verse 10. And this is what the Bible says in verse number 10 of Jonah. The Bible says in verse number 10, Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. God relented from the disaster, and He had said He would bring upon them, and He did not do it. So, this is speaking of Nineveh, right? God changed His mind about destroying Nineveh. So, Jonah got a second chance in chapter 3, verse 1, and the Bible tells us that God gave the city a second chance. Now, why is it that you think you deserve a second chance, but nobody on your black list deserves a second chance? Why is it that you think everybody else deserves grace, or you deserve grace, and nobody else deserves grace? You expect everybody to understand you in your heart, but you don't understand them or take the time to understand them. Why is it that we want grace, but yet we want to condemn and judge everybody else that, that's in sin? Why is it that we want to be loving about our sin and compassionate about what we're going through and what your baby and your children, what your family is going through, but we're less compassionate when somebody else is going through it? We want to tell them to straighten up, stop that, grow up. You should know better, stop doing that. But when it's you and your children, it's a different story. I'm preaching much better in here than anybody's even helping me preach. God doesn't hold grudges. You may hold a grudge, but God doesn't hold a grudge. God gave Jonah a second chance, and God gave Nineveh 
a second chance. God changed his mind. You know what? Jonah, listen, Jonah was excited about the message. Do you want to know what the worst sermon ever? This is the worst sermon ever. You ready? Jonah chapter number 3, verse 4. You would, you would fail homiletics if you just said this. Jonah chapter 3, verse number 4. Remember, God gives Jonah a second chance, and this is what Jonah says. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day. He cried out, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. You know what Jonah's thinking? God has given me a second chance to go tell you bunch of rebels that God's going to rain fire and brimstone down on you. He's given me another time to tell you. God's given me a second chance to tell the world how low down wretched you are. I mean, Jonah's excited. That's the worst sermon you probably could preach. You'd fail homiletics. That's the only thing he said. Yet 40 more days, and all of you bunch of rebels are going to burn. Right? But isn't that how we think? Boy, I just wish the Democrats, you know, they just can all go to hell. I just wish Pelosi would go to hell. I think. Come on, y'all know I'm, I'm saying the truth. It doesn't matter what you think. Joe Biden has a soul. Pelosi has a soul. Hillary Clinton has a soul. And they will live on forevermore. And if your heart is that so wretched, you're the one, my friend, that needs to repent. You don't need to agree with their policies. You don't need to agree with what they say or what they do. But you do need to have enough compassion on the inside of them to pray for them. They have a soul. That is somebody's mother. That's somebody's aunt. That's somebody's relative. That's somebody's mother. It's somebody's father. You don't have to agree. You don't even have to participate. But you've got to pray for them. Now, God gave them a second chance. Number two, you know what I see from this story? What I see from this story, number two, is our attitude is going to have to shift from go get them, God, to go save them. Have you ever met somebody that had the attitude, boy, I just wish God would go get them. I just wish God would go get those bunch of rebels. I just wish God would just go get them. But you see, as, as we participate in missions today, let's change our mindset from God, go get them. Let's change it from that to God, can you go save them? Amen. How many could say amen to that? Jonah's attitude, folks, Jonah's attitude was like, Lord, I know that you are gracious. Now look at this. Jonah chapter number 3 and verse number 10. Jonah chapter 3 and verse number 10. Listen to the words here. This is what God says. Then God saw their works, Nineveh, that they turned from their evil way. God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Thank God for his mercy right there. Chapter number 4, verse number 1. Chapter 4, verse 1. And it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. Verse 2, so he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, 
Was not this what I said when I was down in my country? Therefore I had fled previously to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Verse 3, therefore now, O Lord, please just take my life. It's better for me to die than to live. Verse 4, then God said, is it right for you to be angry? Do you know what Jonah's you know what Jonah's saying? Jonah's like this. Lord, Lord, I know that you're loving. I know that you're compassionate. I've read the Bible. But I'm still angry because I think, Lord, you're going a little bit too far in saving that bunch of rebellious people in Nineveh. I think it's too far, Lord. Too far, Lord, that you would save them. Isn't that what we think? We rejoice over the drug addict and the prostitute getting saved, but eh, maybe not the child molester. Maybe not the murderer. Come on, folks. Oh, yes, their deeds are barbaric, just like Nineveh. They're disgusting. Yeah. Maybe there should be time of separation and judgment. But the gospel is also redemptive. Instead of saying, God, go get them, God, go get them. Go sick them, God. Can't we say, God, go save them? Jonah was angry. I don't know if you deserve to be saved. I don't agree with you. You're out there sacrificing to your pagan gods. I don't, you gave your daughter to a 50-year-old man. Your daughter was only, what? You don't deserve to be saved. As a matter of fact, what you've done is disgusting. You don't deserve to be saved. You killed your daughter because of what you call the honor killing because she converted to a different religion. You don't deserve to be saved. Oh, get that smile off your face. I know, I know what you did. You don't deserve to be saved either. I know how you treat your kids. You treat them as objects of abuse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You say it's your religion. It's still nasty and disgusting. See, that is the American Christianity Western mindset that we become the judges of who is worthy for the grace and mercy of God. 
And Jesus told the Pharisees, you, my friends, you have shut the kingdom of God out to these little ones because they're not worthy to enter the kingdom of God. And you have made the word of God of no effect because of your traditions. You see, we got to get to the place that it doesn't matter how many times you come to this altar, and it doesn't matter how many sins you've committed this week, and it doesn't matter how what you're struggling with or what you've done this week, you're always free to keep coming to the altar, always free keep coming to repent, always keep coming to get some. Come on, somebody. There is always enough grace for every person that comes to a place of repentance. There is enough blood for every person in this world. God doesn't hold grudges. God doesn't have the attitude that I'm going to go sick him, go get him. He wants to save him. God is more gracious than I am. God is more compassionate than I am. And God is willing to save people that I would never save. I mean, some of us are still holding on to grudges because something somebody said to us. Can't let it go. That's why services like this turns people off. Because we're sitting there thinking about, uh, you know, I need to get home and get my chicken on. The, I need to get home. I need to pay bills. I need, and we're so disconnected from the world. So disconnected from the heart of God. What's really important, there's only two things that's really important in life. That's your relationship with God and relationships with people. The only thing that you can take to the next life is not your cars, not your houses, not your money. The only thing that you can take to the next life is people. And people are the greatest investment that you could ever invest into because they are eternal and they will live on forever. Live on forever. And why is it that we get so focused on our houses and our cars and working jobs? I mean, we'll work so much. You, listen, you quit your job tomorrow and they will forget about you the next day. They'll forget about you because you're, you're, you're replaceable. Attitude must shift from go get him, God, to save him, God. Thirdly, we, we just got to see that God's heart is for people. God's heart, number three, is for people. Nothing more and nothing less. People. God's heart is not for a building. God's heart is for people. He gives us buildings so that we can reach people. It's all about people. In other words, God is saying to Jonah, Jonah, I know these people are barbaric. I know they're evil. I know that you think they don't deserve to be saved. But Jonah, my value system is different. I value, I value redemption over judgment. I value mercy over hatred. God's value system is totally different. Now, does God judge? Does God judge sin? Of course he does. You know, we live in a culture where everybody wants to say God is love and God accepts everything. God doesn't accept everything. And God will not always agree with you. 
But as long as you have breath in your lungs and as long as you're still here, then there is still hope for another chance to make it right. You can make it right. Chapter 3, verse 10. God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. Did you see this? True repentance is not saying, I'm sorry. True repentance has to do with your works. He saw their works that they turned from their evil way. How do I know I've truly repented? When you've made a decision internally and it shows externally. That's how you know you've repented. Your works have changed. Your life has changed. There's something different about you. You just don't say you're sorry or you feel bad, but that there is a change in your life. Your works have changed. And God changed his mind and said, you know what? I, I was going to destroy them, but I'm going to change my mind about it. I, Jonah, I know you preached that sermon. I know you preached that sermon. Yet in 40 days, you're all going to be destroyed. But Jonah, I've changed my mind. I'm so glad that God changes his mind. I'm so glad that God doesn't do what he always thinks he needs to do. I'm glad he changes his mind. Lastly, sometimes we are only compassionate only to the people that can benefit us. Sometimes we're only compassionate to the people that can benefit us. You know, think about this story. The Bible says that Jonah goes and he sits down and he, there's a shade. He sits down and the Bible says there's a plant that grows up. And that plant becomes a shade to Jonah. Well, the plant dies and Jonah becomes angry. Look at it. The Bible says, the Lord prepared a plant, verse 6, Jonah 4, verse 6, and God prepared a plant, made it come up over Jonah, that it might have shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. Hmm. He was very grateful for this plant. But what happens, verse number 7, but the morning dawned, and the next day God prepared a worm, and it damaged the plant. And it happened that when the sun arose, God prepared a, a strong east wind, and the sun began to uh, beat upon Jonah's head, and he grew very faint, and he wished to die for himself. He said, it's just better for me to die than to live. Verse number 9, then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, it is not right for me to be angry even to death. It is right for me to be angry even unto death. But the Lord said, you've had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. And should I not pity Nineveh, the great city, in which more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between right and the left and much their livestock? See, number four, sometimes we have compassionate. We have compassion on people who only can benefit us. You know what God was saying to Jonah? Jonah, the reason that you're angry about this plant dying is because the plant benefited you. 
the plant gave you some shade from the sun. You got angry, Jonah, because when the plant died, you was exposed to the sun and you were miserable. So the only reason that you're angry, Jonah, is because the plant is not benefiting you anymore. And God said to Jonah, Jonah, why are you angry at a plant that you never planted, you never worked for, you never watered it, but you're angry that it died because it benefited you? And can you not have a little bit of pity on people that I've created, that I put the breath of life into them, that I love? Can you not pity them? And see, sometimes that's life. We want to have more pity on plants than we have pity on people. Some of us take more care about our dogs and our plants and our vegetables and our gardens than we care about people. The Joshua Project says that we spend more food, we spend more money on dog food than we give to missions. It's like Jonah, isn't it? We prefer the plant over people because we're only going to give to something as long as it benefits us. We go to church as long as it's the way I like it. If it benefits me, I, I, I'm going to, I'll, I'll support you. But if it doesn't benefit me or I don't like it, I ain't going to support it. Because we're like Jonah. It's the plant versus people. We, it's easy to have compassion on people that we love. It's easy to have compassion on people that we deem that's necessary. But when we find that the sin is so grievous, we find that that person can't benefit us, we check it off. I want to say to these people up here that God loves every nation, every tribe, every kindred around the world. He loves every people group. And every people group that's barbaric, every people group that you feel is disgusting, and every people group that you don't think is worthy to be saved, I want to let you know that God's heart is so big, He loves every people group. He loves every tribe. He loves every nation. He loves every person of every color of their skin, no matter what they've done. He loves them, and He prefers them to come to a place of confession and repentance because God values redemption over destruction. Hallelujah. He values redemption over destruction. And people, I've heard people say things about America. God, D-A-M-N, America. I've heard preachers say it. I've heard people slander America. How God's going to judge us. But you know what? I don't have that philosophy. Because 2,000 years ago, God judged Jesus because of our sin, and we were already judged for our sin at Calvary. We are living in a season of grace right now, and I'm telling you, I'm not yelling, God, go get him. I'm saying, God, go save the White House. God, go save the Wall Street. God, go save the church. God, save our government. God, save my family. I don't want anybody to suffer destruction, but I want them to come to the mercy and the grace of Almighty God. Hallelujah. God loves people. God loves people. I've met preachers. Listen, I know this is funny, but I've met preachers who don't like people. 
But can I tell y'all something? I'm not bragging on myself, so please don't. That's not my heart. I just want you to know I love people. I mean, I do. I love people. I love to talk to people. I love to high-five people. I love to eat people. Oh, eat people. Eat with people. <laughs> Woo! I'm not a cannabis. <laughs> That's funny. I love to eat with people. I love to travel. I love to sing with people. I love to preach to people. I love to pray with people. I love people because you know why I love people? Because God lives on the inside of me, and I can't help but to love people. can't help but to love people. And the moment that you think, the moment you think that people don't deserve to be loved and have compassion, that's the moment that we need to come back and say, Lord, forgive me. Give me a heart for people. Give me a heart for people. Listen, church is not about music. Church is not about the lights. We can do away with the building. We can do away with all this stuff. You know what was really, really, really important? It's Jesus. It's, it's God. It's, it's people. It's relationships. It's, it's loving people. That's what it's really about. That's what it's about. God's heart is for people. God doesn't hold grudges. God's not going to say, I'm going to go get them. Oh, there's a time for judgment. Listen, I've read the Bible. But right now is the season that we have time to make things right. And no matter how many times you get it wrong, if you're breathing, you still have more time. Hallelujah. You know, I was, I was raised in the old church, Troy. Those old preachers would say this. Well, it used to scare me. They used to get up. No disrespect because, you know, that's my heritage. But I, I don't forget, I'm a little boy sitting on the front row, and they get up and they say, oh. You know, they always had to. I want to tell y'all that God's going to judge and God's going to have a white screen on the day of judgment and he's going to put all your sins on the white screen and everybody's going to know what you did behind closed doors. And all those church mothers, we're just crying and bawling. Boy, boy, we got saved. I got saved every week. <laughs> Every week I was getting saved. As a matter of fact, I was looking at my journal, and I counted five times I was baptized because I just wanted to make sure. I mean, every time they had a baptism, I was being baptized. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, in the name of Jesus. I was just being baptized because I wanted to make it to heaven. But can I tell you, so can, I, can I tell you real good news? Can I tell you good news? Jesus told the woman at the well that you have passed from death under life because you now believe there is not going to be no white screen on the day of judgment to expose all your sins because your sins were taken care of at Calvary. So when you stand before the when you stand before God, you stand before God as if you have never sinned because the blood of Jesus washes you completely from your sin. And that is why that is why this news is so wonderful. This news is so wonderful. That means we can go to every tribe, 
nation and kindred and tell them it doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter how barbaric you've been. It doesn't matter even if you are a Nineveh. He doesn't hold a grudge against you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm saying today, let's be people to have a heart for people. I'm not saying you don't. I'm just a coach. I'm here to remind you, let's keep priority, priority. I'm here to remind you, because you're a great group of people. You've given a lot to missions. I know you love God. I know you love people. And I'm not saying you're not. I am your coach. And I'm telling you, let's always keep this in the forefront. Let's keep it priority that people matter to God. And if they matter to God, they should matter to us. Amen. They should matter to us. Can I hear an amen? In closing, three days ago, I had a a random person from the state of Michigan sent me a message on my phone. He said, Pastor, I watch you on, on the online service. He said, I just wanted to reach out to you because I don't know who else to reach out to. He says, I'm struggling with my sin. I go to church. I've been saved for many years. I love Jesus. I'm just struggling in this area of my life. And I don't know who to reach out to. And I felt like when I listened to you that you would understand and you, you know, you would offer me advice. So he explained his story to me. And I even actually forgot about it, you know, until the Holy Spirit reminded me just now to tell you. And as he was telling me his struggle, I just said to him, I said, sir, I may not understand your pain. I may not even understand your struggle in this area. He said, but I just want to remind you that God's God is all about people. And he's trying to get people in. He ain't trying to keep you out. He said, what? I said, God is trying to get people in. He ain't trying to keep people out. God is your biggest supporter. I said it again. I said, God is your biggest supporter, not the supporter of your sin, but the supporter of you living right, of you struggling in the right direction. I said, he'll never give up on you if you decide you'll never give up. He'll never give up on you. And I want to tell you today, I want to tell you today, don't give up. Let's all struggle towards Jesus. No matter how hard it is, let's keep struggling. Let's keep pushing forward. Let's keep loving people. Let's keep being about the mission. Let's be about the hands and the feet and the arms, the head, hands, feet, and arms of Jesus. Let's let's keep loving people. I know you're hurt. I know people hurt us. No, you don't agree with people. I don't agree what people do. People hurt you. People say things. People pull your heart out. They pull your heart out. One time I was praying, and the Lord says, I was, I was years ago, I was deeply hurt over, over something in the church years ago, and deeply hurt, and I was pouring my soul out to the Lord, and the Lord said, Son, you wouldn't be there if they didn't need you. You're not supposed to be at their level. I want you to come up a level. 
And I said, Lord, give me the strength to come up a level. Ah, let's, let's come up another level. They hurt you. Don't be on their level. Come up another level. Forgive them. Come up another level and forgive them. Don't be at the same level. Don't hold grudges. That's their level. Come up another level. Let the grudge go. Am I, say, am I talking to anyone? Just come up another level. Amen. 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 I prophesy, decree, declare to this church that it's going to be the church that God has called it to be. Yes. Yes. I prophesy that we will be the church you've called us to be. Thank you that you're raising our faith up. You're raising our level of expectation up. I thank you, Father, that you will build the church that you want it to be, and you'll get all the glory, and you'll get all the praise, and you'll get all the honor. Is there somebody in the building that can just help me praise the Lord this morning? Stand to your feet and give God praise, and give God glory, and give God honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, I believe in you. Hallelujah. As you remain standing, everybody look at me. Can, can we pray something big? Let's pray something big. I'm not saying to look around and make an assessment of our resources. I'm asking you, let's pray big and say, God, from this very place, from this very people, let us change the world for you. Not just the city and around us, that's important. But let's expand our vision and say, God, let us change the world for you. How many would just agree with pastor and say, I want to pray big prayers. Let's change the world. Let's change the world. Let's change the world. Amen. Amen.